There's an infinite number of universes out there. In many of them, there is a podcast by us. In one of them, it's good. Please enjoy. Once upon a time, there were two young lads who decided to make an audio show. But then, deep in the dark woods, there was... Slow internet. And the desire to not do the show. Oh no, here it is. Ah! And welcome to But Yeah with Eamon and Zeb. I'm Eamon. And I'm Zeb. And today is February 26th. It's Telefairy Tale Day. It's that wonderful day where you go down and you, and you say to someone, you want to hear, hear a fairy tale? And they'll be like, heck yeah, I do. Yeah, the official description is gather around the fire. I'm assuming they mean like a campfire or a house. I assume it- uh, like an internal housewarming <laughs> fire. <laughs> or a house fire. Yeah, or a house. Like just any fire. Like if you see some fire. There's a fire. Whenever you see a candle, you have to. Whenever you see fire, you have to tell a fairy tale. That's the rule. That's the rule. And make yourselves comfortable. Tell a fairy tale day is all about exploring myths and stories, old and new. From grim, parentheses, extra M, tales to urban legends, tap the dark corners of your subconscious and see what you find spooky man they should have i wish they had had this written out like it was a fairy tale that would have been cool so i really like about tv tropes and idioms that website Mm -hmm. sometimes their articles are just the trope but written out as if it is the trope oh man i've got two days to retirement but i've got to post this trope up online yeah. Here's the trope. It's two days to retirement and it <laughs> appears in a whole bunch of movies, especially Lethal Weapon. Yep. It's just a whole big list of Lethal Weapon references. And then at the end, there's a note from the editor saying the guy died two days later <laughs> before he had retired. Incidentally, this is another trope. Here's a link. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about fairy tales. Oh, well, in celebration of um, fairy tale, I guess. It's funny how like we all have a lot of overlap, but then there's always weird little distinctions. Like some people have generally heard weird stuff that other people haven't um like what's a fairy tale from your youth that you think might be somewhat unique uh the big pancake (laughs) and when i was saying earlier to you before we started calling about which fairy tale i want to talk about i said the big pancake without realizing that was the actual name of it because i couldn't remember it so i just said uh it's about a pancake it's about a big pancake it's probably called the big pancake and it totally was (laughs) Because it could easily have been called the magic pancake or the very large pancake that fed my seven hungry boys. Oh, man. Is that anything like... Remember the magic pudding? No, it's not nothing like that garbage pudding. Is it like that and Humpty Dumpty, like a hybrid of their stories? I hate that magic pudding. <laughs> I, don't, I know nothing about it. <laughs> it puts so many people through so many trials and tribulations and then it, it doesn't do anything for anyone. <laughs> like, for example, what? What's it, what's it do to people? It's just people always trying to eat it. And it's it's always refusing to let them eat it. Wait, wait, wait. So, like, if some guy was like, oh, I'm going to eat you. And you're like, nah. You're putting them through trauma? No. But. So, this pudding, by virtue of its existence, just deserves to be eaten. Yes. If, if I could, like, generate more of my body to feed the hungry nations, 
Wait. I think I would have a responsibility to the world to do that. It can just infinitely make more pudding? Yes. Why don't they just put that sucker in a bottle and <laughs> turn him upside down so he's just constantly pouring more pudding? It lives in a bowl. It's a very angry pudding. Wait. And it lets its friends eat it. Wait, it's in the bowl? It's in a bowl. I thought its face was on the bowl. I don't remember this very well. I, I, I'm not saying I remember it very well either, but I remember an angry pudding that was in a bowl yelling at people and also sometimes it would let people eat it. <laughs> Uh, so is that what the pancake story is like too? No. So the big pancake is about my seven hungry boys waiting for the pancake to cook. And then the pancake escapes. <laughs> and I think the boys are chasing it. Um, and then other people start chasing this big pancake. And then eventually it gets to the river. Yeah. And it realizes that it needs to cross the river, I guess. And there's like a wolf or something that's like, I'll take you across the river. As there always is. Oh, man, so it's the standard wolf carrying anything across a river or a fox. It's weird how they always wait at the edge of rivers. They're really entrepreneurial, I guess. But in the sense that they're like, I can reliably wait for sentient food. Well, it's obviously a metaphor for the early medieval times when people would ferry people across the river and they were very untrustworthy. So you'd be like, can you take my boy across the river? And they'd be like, yeah, sure can, miss. And then halfway across the river, he'd eat your boy. (laughs) So it's like a warning for that. But yeah, the big pancake tries to cross the river on the wolf's nose, I think. And then obviously we all know what happens. Wait, it's a big pancake? How big is the pancake? This is a very big pancake. Can a wolf's nose carry such a big pancake? I don't know. (laughs) You're the scientist. (laughs) Too many variables at play here, but I'll take your word for it. Let me get a picture up of this wolf carrying this big pancake. There are a number of conflicting images on how big this pancake is. There's also... Just give me like a... Like what's... Is it as big as a car? That's the problem is sometimes it's as big as a car. Sometimes it's as small as a pig's head. Just... Well, okay. Let's say it's as big as a car and the wolf is thus also big enough. Okay. Just to clarify... It's a car-sized wolf. Most of the time, it's not a wolf. It's a pig carrying it across the river. Wait, what? Pigs are untrustworthy too now? I never thought of pigs. As- oh, no, that's not true. You ever read Animal Farm? No. That's another fairy tale that could be <laughs> at play here. Let's finish this one before I go on to that, though. So the other thing about the big pancake is sometimes the people in the cartoons are cartoony looking people. Sometimes they're hyper realistic looking Like they just came out of an old TV show. I hate those. I hate it. I hate hyper-realism. Sometimes the pancake is real big, like the size of a... What's a good car? Uh, A Ford? uh, A a Ute? Speed Boy? A pickup truck in America? Sometimes it's as big as a Ford Speed Boy 92. Ah. But then sometimes it's as big as an iMac laptop from 2000. Three. Point is, it's a big pancake, and it crosses the river and gets eaten. That's, that's the story. I think the moral of the story is don't invest your entire day into this very big pancake that's coming past. Yeah. Because everyone wastes a lot of time chasing this big pancake. There's only going to be one winner in the end. It's the theme in general. It's funny how it's always like something getting eaten with fairy tales. Like, I feel like, I guess the, the lesson of that one is, like, what, what does it tell the kids? Because fairy tales are about, like, telling kids to do a thing, essentially, like, nine times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, the problem with this fairy tale is usually in fairy tales, the parents are telling the kids not to do the thing, and then they just do it. Yeah. But in this case, the parents are like, 
Well, go get the pancake. I guess the the, the, the the pancake's a metaphor for the kid. They're saying, don't try to escape across a lake. You'll get eaten. Yeah, don't ride a pig across a lake that you cannot trust them. They get eaten. Like, and everything, everything's always, you'll get eaten. Kids will get eaten. Hansel and Gretel, they got eaten. You know why? Because they went to the woods. You know who else gets eaten? Rapunzel, because she, she's in a tower. And she went left the tower and she got eaten. Yeah, we all remember our favorite fairy tales where at the end... The the heroes of the story just get vored by the the evil guy. Yep, just just everyone gets eaten, just gobbled up. Yeah. Can we make a <laughs> can we make a kids book where at the end the hero just gets swallowed by whoever was the antagonist? <laughs> you mean every every fairy tale? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, can we like like Harry Potter, but he gets eaten at the end? Yes, Harry Potter, but at the end, or he eats Voldemort. Yes, Harry Potter, but at the end. <laughs> Um, when they're having their big one fight where, like, the green light is hitting against the red light and um, the sparks are flying, eventually the beam, like, hits Voldemort and he falls over and then Harry Potter casts Levitate on him <laughs> and shrinks him down and then swallows him. I mean, that's cool. That's also, like, that's, like, does he just eat him, like, horribly or, like, does he turn him into a chocolate bar? Like, like Dragon Ball Z with, like, Majin Buu. Oh, he just turns... That's his power. He turns everyone into chocolate and eats oh, them. Oh, God. What? And then he's more powerful because of it. <laughs> Do you remember what Dragon Ball Z? Not properly, obviously. <laughs> there was a villain which was a big pink blob man called Majin Buu. He'd turn people into chocolate and eat them and then get all their powers. That's how he, that's how he absorbed them. Is that what that guy did? Yeah, that was his thing. When did that happen? All the time, constantly. Jesus. He ate everyone. At one point, he ate everyone but... Like Goku and Vegeta. actually ate everyone, literally everyone. Holy shit! But they fought their way out of him. What? <laughs> and um, yeah, no, they literally got turned into like chocolate bars and he ate them. Oh my god! But yeah, I think Harry. Yeah, he turns Voldemort into a chocolate small Voldemort and he eats him and he has a trading card that he gets to keep. Mass produces it and becomes really rich. These are Voldemort Voldemorts. Everyone's like, I just want I want Voldemort. I think um, we can do a collection of children's stories. Involving um, being eaten. It's all of them. It's just the this is just regular stories. Yeah, I guess it's regular kid stories. They all teach a lesson, which is don't go out in the woods, don't cross rivers, don't don't do the thing. Yeah, and the reason is because you'll get eaten. Be an animal farm. I mean, for real. If you look at the history, a lot of like the the social information was to do with not getting eaten. We're spending too much time on this eaten thing. Well, like if back in the day, if you left your house, there was a much higher risk of being eaten that day than there is now. Yeah. By like a wolf or a bear. Yeah. Or like the king, if he was having a bad day. Yeah. Anyway, animal farm. <laughs> animal farm? I'm, I'm, I'm done with this eaten topic. We've explored it extensively. Um, so so what, what's the fairy tale you like? Animal Farm. Animal Farm is a modern, it's a contemporary fairy tale written by George Orwell. If anyone knows George Orwell, he's the guy who wrote um, 18, 19, 1984. This is dystopic horror future world that like, oh, technology means we're all dead. You know, that's how. Where it would be a spy state. I've never actually read that one, but I've read Animal Farm, which is like, it's sort of like a, com- a criticism of communism or of revolutions. It's just about like the sort of futility of them. Yeah. So the concept of it is like, there's a heap of animals and they're all like on the farm, but they get overworked by the farmer and they go, you know what? Fuck the farmer. Let's overthrow him. So they overthrow the farmer and kick him off. And then they start running the farm themselves and they start equally... Like they re- create this little utopia for animals where they all get as much food as they need for what work they can do. 
Um, and they use their different skills. Um, the pigs, the villains of uh, the big pancake, perhaps is foreshadowing, um, because they're a bit smarter than the other animals, they do all the sort of business end of things, mm. where they run things and communicate with other farms and set up trades so they can get more grain and all that. And all the animals are like just sort of metaphors for different working classes, especially the horse. Um, and they're like, have their, there's this whole, they set up this whole program of like retirement at a certain point, but then they keep like getting the horse to work harder. Wait. And then the horse disappears one day. What class does the horse represent? The working class. Ah. And the horse disappears one day and then like, they're all like, what happened to the horse? And, but like most of the other animals just are kind of dumb and they have short attention spans and the pigs have this sign on the wall, which has like all the rules. Yeah. And like, they keep adjusting them, but the other animals go, they look at the sign and go, hmm. I guess that's what it always said. And like, it starts off with 13 rules that they all agree on, but by the end of it, it's just like, pigs are great. <laughs> uh, the, the horse disappears, and then it turns out he got sold to a glue factory. Oh. And then, like, it gets dark, and then at the end, like, the animals look through the window and see the pigs, like, in the house, dressed like humans, talking with humans, um, and they're all, like, worse off than they ever were. So your story was about people getting eaten, too. Yeah, sort of. I mean, yeah. It- so you- Eaten in the sense that turned to glue. I mean, I guess the pigs are probably eating the other animals as well. Oh, for sure. You're like, let's get away from this eating things thing. But yeah, that's my favorite fairy tale. <laughs> George Orwell's Animal Farm. Yeah, it's great. Definitely read it. It's it's a short book. It's only like, it's a novella. It's not really a full book. Oh, it's a kid's book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could read it to your kid. They'd be like, what's a, what? What? <laughs> But, I mean, they might learn some important lessons about the world. Yeah. I guess the lesson's not very good, though. Never revolt because it'll be worse? I don't know. <laughs> don't get eaten. Don't don't get eaten. That's that's the that's the rule. So, I think I think the seven young boys are representative of the seven deadly sins. What? Why? Well, uh, well, for starters, it's in the book. If you read the book, you see it says, these are my seven hungry boys. And also, they're representative of the seven deadly sins. That's actually what it says. That's actually what it says. Lust, okay. gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. That's, that's their names. Those are the names of my seven hungry boys. This is a lot more um, uh, morally in-depth than I thought it was this fairy tale. <laughs> and so as they run across town after this pancake that taunts them as it goes, I guess we start off with Lust, who just sort of like, as they're running along, he sees a group of seven other boys who he finds attractive and he goes and joins them. <laughs> instead of chasing the pancake anymore then we have gluttony who i guess i don't know because he really wants to eat that pancake but he has all these candy bars in his pocket that he saved from earlier yeah and instead of helping his mother chase down this giant pancake that by the way super irresponsible of her to make a giant magic pancake that can run away <laughs> so he just eats candy bars and gives up greed pushes past everyone to try and get the pancake because he wants it the most. But in doing so, um, trips and falls on a hard metal spike. Yep. That's what he gets. That's what he gets. For being greedy. Sloth gives up. That's not really That's not really greed causing his fall, though. <laughs> not really, but... He just happens to be greedy and happens to land on a spike. It's not like his greed caused him to fail. They're, they're chasing the pancake and they get to a... A metal maze of spikes and everyone's like hold on if we wait three seconds we can all share the pancake and then he goes i want it for myself and he runs through the spiky maze and then he dies 
Oh, is that actually what happens? Yeah, that actually happens in the book. Okay, okay, okay. I was going to say, it sounds more like these, it's just, the lesson is, if you incidentally have one of these arbitrary uh, characteristics, you'll die for unrelated reasons. (laughs) In a painful way. Um, And then everyone else tries to get through the maze, and then everyone except Sloth gets trapped, and they're like, Sloth, help us. And he's like, nah, I'm good here. And then he gets crushed by something. Hmm. And then Wrath is just obviously running around town destroying things with a baseball bat as they chase this beautiful, delicious pancake. Mm. And I guess he doesn't get any punishment. That's just what he's doing to others. Yeah. His his punishment is the life he makes for himself. I guess. Like, it's down the line. His punishment is the isolation that he ends up with. And then Envy is second in place behind this delicious pancake and is really envious of the guy in first place. So they try harder to take first place by pushing him out of the way. And then in doing so, Envy falls and lands on a metal spike. God, this this pancake was not worth these like, <laughs> casualties. These are very hungry boys. They should not have made the pancake sentient and they should have just listened to Glutton, to the Gluttony kid. Um, and then it it's revealed that the person in first place is the hungriest of boys. Is that the gluttonous one? No, that's pride. Oh, okay. Pride is the hungriest. Wouldn't he be the? Wouldn't gluttony be the hungriest though? Yeah, but he doesn't have the running skill. <laughs> okay. And so pride is running the fastest and the hardest, and he almost reaches the pancake, but because he was so proud of his ability to run the fastest, he has a heart attack because he's pushing his body too hard, and he falls and lands on a metal spike. Um, and dies instantly. And then the pancake... <laughs> and then the pancake gets eaten. <laughs> and then at the end... That's, this is a horrible story. It's just like, all the kids... This is just like the bloodbath left by this pancake, who then gets... The only winner is the pig. Cause it, and then it goes on the rule of farm. Like, that's the thing with this story. <laughs> the lesson being, if you want something, don't don't seek it out. Yeah, yeah. Good things happen to people who aren't seeking them. Is you, if you try too hard, like these seven deadly sins, hungry boys. Except for the sloth kid. Oh, don't. Oh. But they should have had a kid that was really pure and didn't have any of the sins who won. <laughs> to illustrate that, pure, like, no one wins. The pig won by being a sneaky shit. <laughs> that's, that's the. <laughs> well, so the, the one sin which doesn't get you killed is sneaky. Yeah. Um, so. Where were we at with these fairy tales? Okay, so speaking of the seven deadly sins, I mean, that probably applies to a lot of fairy tales. How about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, hey? Oh, okay. So, like, you got Doc, Sleepy, Happy, Sneezy, Dopey, Bashful, and Grumpy. Um, Grumpy's going to be Wrath. Bashful is going to be Lost. Um, Happy's probably Pride. I mean, why, why, why else would he be so happy? Clearly arrogant. Um, Sleepy Sloth, uh, what's left is Gluttony and Greed, and we got Doc and Dopey. So, which one do you reckon? <laughs> which one is the hungry one, and which one is the greedy? Probably, is Doc greedy? <laughs> or hungry? He's the leader. Maybe he's pride, because he's a- Although, he always mixes up his words, so that could mean that he's hungry all the time. Yeah, maybe he's just got low blood sugar. Like, he's hungry, but, like, not in the sense that he, like, he- Although gluttony, I guess the sin is gluttony, not hungry. 
to not be gluttonous, you have to not eat, and that would make you hungry, and you can't control that. Hold up. Maybe Dopey doesn't speak. He's a mute because his mouth is always full of candy bars. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. He's always chewing something. So that makes Doc greed. I'm not sure if Doc's greed, though. Anytime Dopey isn't on the screen, he is just gulping down food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the camera pans onto him, and he has to keep his mouth shut to hide the gross chewed up meat that's inside there. But Doc must be- Doc isn't greed. I think Doc's pride and happy is actually greed because they're diamond miners. <laughs> and that's that's how- yep, okay. It makes perfect sense. I think they intended that. Yeah, I guess. Reading, reading the subtexts, and that, that's what they are. They're all actually- they're actually seven deadly sins, corrupting Snow White, and then killing her mother-in-law, <laughs> I think. They kill Maleficent, kill Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's never the seven um, chase qualities, which they also have as seven. The what? Seven being a whole, like that's the opposite to the seven deadly sins. There's the seven, the vir- seven virtues being um, chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, gratitude, and humility. Yeah, no one ever has those. They're not real. People are like people are chased because they're really lusty. That's how it works, isn't it? Probably. In fairy tales, anyway, they're going to teach you, here's the, here's the good values, then you get eaten. So speaking of getting eaten, let's go get ourselves something to eat. It's time to go to our ad zone. Uh-oh, my pancake got away. No, <laughs> the pancake. You need Uncle Tony's pancake getter backer. It's a claw on the end of a stick, and it gives you that extra three meters you need to grab the pancake that you lost. No, it's awful. Let's do a different thing. Do you have a smart-ass pancake that's always rolling away from you? Grab that sucker with Uncle Tony's pancake grabber. Thanks, Uncle Tony. All right, we're back. With the But Yeah podcast. What did you do on your break, Zeb? Um, not much. I just sort of uh, went a bit of surfing around the internet, played around with some Instagram a bit. The funny thing is this is like the only time we've ever actually taken the break and went away. <laughs> yeah. Usually <laughs> we do a fictional break and be like, yeah, we're still here. Like almost everyone else does when they record. Yeah. But this time we actually stopped because <laughs> everything was just getting too insane yeah. with these magic pancakes and these seven deadly sins. It was coffee time. My, my stamina, my morning. I'm not a morning person. I work nights. I'm up too early for, for talking. Also, um, I need my bean juice. Yeah, when I started the show, I meant to grab my container full of delicious beans to eat throughout and give me that <laughs> energy that I need to get to this point, but I forgot them. And so <laughs> I think my brain died. <laughs> so apologies if you just uh. got off the first half of the show and I talked too much about the big pancake, because that was probably because I was one of those hungry boys. Yeah, I mean, it's that time of day. I, I actually wouldn't mind a pancake, but I'm very scared it'll run away because <laughs> I won't catch that shit. I'll be one of, or I'll be one of those like sinner boys, and I'll fall on a spike. <laughs> like it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, I'm gonna cook food which isn't sentient. Um, and I bought from someone else and didn't cook. I did go to the the pancake. Um, oh, what is the store called? 
Oh, the Pancake Emporium. The Pancake Emporium and Warehouse recently. <laughs> the Pancake the Warehouse. Pancake. <laughs> I just imagine it's just like rows and rows of shelves. And they just sort of like, hmm, and they just like extract the giant pancake from there. Yeah, like uh, they have like a cool little mini forklift that like goes up and gets a pancake for you. Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, like is it the size? Are they still regular size pancakes? So it's a mini forklift. It's a mini warehouse. Yes. And like a remote, like a drone. Yeah. And it drives down, picks up the pancake. Man, that's excellent. Um, so we went and got pancakes at the uh, pancake warehouse and realized sort of like we weren't really feeling like pancakes. <laughs> and the place is called the pancake. I forget the final word. So let's say the pancake warehouse. Mm. <laughs> so I got like the big breakfast, which is bacon and eggs and and sausages the standard the standard breakfast at all places the standard breakfast and um and two pancakes which is part of their deal i guess you know i want to go to a place where they have the big breakfast but then they have another one called the bigger breakfast (laughs) (laughs) i want to go somewhere that offers the big breakfast and the small breakfast generally they do have a small breakfast it's called something else it's just called breakfast yeah but they don't call it that they're not brave enough to put that stamp on it. I, I just want three breakfasts. I want a small, medium, and large breakfast. Give me the large breakfast. Give me the small breakfast. You know what's crazy? Just a random side rant. How a lot of places these days, they don't have small, medium, and large drinks or products. Like, like because I guess people just never, either they never get the small one or they never get the large one. So you yeah, get this yeah. weird drift happen where it's like, popcorn especially at cinemas. I went to the movies the other day to watch Black Panther. And like you go, okay, I'd like a, a what are the popcorn sizes? And it has medium, large, mega large, and super ultra large. There's no small. Mm. <laughs> it's just, or it's just large, larger, and largest, and that's the three sizes. You're like, why wouldn't they just? What's the deal with popcorn sizes? Just, I mean, fair enough. Maybe they're smaller than the standard thing, but among this sample here, why wouldn't it be small, medium, and large? Yeah, I hate it when I go to the coffee shop and I'm like, "Give me a small coffee," and they're like, "Oh, you mean a regular?" And I'm like, "I don't know your language." And they're like, "Oh, well, the sizes are regular, large, and seven very hungry boys." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm not up for that. I can't drink as as many coffees as seven hungry boys." And they're like, "But it's so much." Like, better value if you buy the seven hungry boys size. <laughs> it's like you go to a coffee place. It's like, and you're like 50 cents more. You like go to a coffee place and they go, okay, I just I just want a medium coffee. And they go, ooh, um, we only have, instead of sizes, we have seven co- types of coffee ref- representing each deadly sin. <laughs> Which one? Are they different sizes? Yes. Which one's the middle? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, I don't know. Lust. Gluttony is the lust is like where is lusty or lust on the scale of coffee sizes? Give me one of those lusty so, coffees. <laughs> I want a lust coffee, please. Um, I want a I want a wrathful coffee. <laughs> and you just throw it out of a meeting. <laughs> and not enough sugar. <laughs> I said no sugars. Wrathful coffee for me would be one that's large and cold, <laughs> but it was meant to be warm. Yeah. Mine. It's la- It's a- It started as a hot coffee. It's very large, and by the time they get it to you, it's lukewarm. <laughs> Mine would be just. It's very wrathful. Not milky enough. I'm like, I wanted a flat white. Now it's hot, and I am. I am a like. It's sort of the opposite problem to you, where I'm like, I can't handle warm. My my soft temperature sensitive tongue is going to get burned and scalded by this room temperature coffee. 
Yeah. Not room temperature. I don't know. I just like my coffee's milky. Yeah, you gotta have this that. Is, this has been coffee chat with Eamon and Zeb. This has been throwing back coffees. This has been comedians on a podcast with coffee. That re- maybe, maybe that's. What's the deal with coffee? Maybe that's. They need more modern fairy tales, which is just about like, it's the princess like gets up, <laughs> like Sleeping Beauty or whatever, and she's just like, oh, fucking coffee. <laughs> and it's just like the quest to the coffee shop, and just like everything seems to go horribly wrong before the coffee. Mm. And that's the fairy tale, just like all the things going wrong. And then at the end, she's about to get a coffee, which is on the other side of the lake. And she climbs aboard the wolf's snout. And as she goes across, he asks her three riddles and she answers wrong. And so the wolf gobbles her up and vanishes into the night. No, I feel it's more like she's got the coffee and she's like, finally, time to go back. And then the coffee's like, I'll give you a lift. And then it drinks the coffee. She's like, <laughs> and then kills the wolf. <laughs> well, you have um, you have the rowboat to get back to your house and you have to choose to bring your coffee, your wolf or your bacon. You can only send one across at a time or the wolf will do the thing. It's like the whole riddle. And wolves love coffee. That's a fact. I mean, there would, there would be a great variation on that riddle where it's just like instead of a wolf across the lake it's just like some like a friend that you know will drink your coffee <laughs> and they're helping you like get stuff to and from your car or something if we really want to appeal to millennials we'll have like you have to send your smartphone across but you have someone who's going to log onto your facebook if you do it and send it with them like you said and you also have <laughs> like a coffee a phone and um what's the third major item of the modern age i want to say keys but yeah you okay you need to walk across the field and you have to put everything in your pocket and you have your coffee, your phone and very large pack of keys. And you have to figure out which pocket to put your coffee. <laughs> I think I'm unique in that, though. My keys are the size of like 10 keys because that's where they are, I guess. And you have like the keys that like janitors in movies have. <laughs> but it's like not even like it only has three keys on it. I just like to decorate it with shit. One's literally a yellow yellow tab that everything's rubbed off it. It's just a yellow bit of rubber. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm keeping that because it represents when I first started uni. What are you doing? It used to say Southern Cross on it. <laughs> Fix your keys. I have two keys. No, I'm keeping them. I've also got an evil eye that wards off evil. <laughs> it's half peeled off. What? I've got a calendar. It's a little rolly thing that you spin around and it works as a calendar for the next 20 years. What are you doing? You need two keys. Car and house. I've got a bottle opener with someone's wedding that I never went to written on it. <laughs> and I've got my coffee tab and a Coles tab <laughs> for getting for, for get using trolleys. No, I've got my house key, my my car key, my Tamagotchi, my pocket Wait, Tamagotchi. My pocket watch. <laughs> I've got my health bracelet to give people information on what happens if I die. I've got <laughs> Um, a skeleton key that opens every room in the city. I've got a miniature coffee on a key. I've chain. got a small, yeah, like it's a little coffee in like a little tube that I can open at any time, and I get this shot of espresso. I've also got just straight coffee powder you can snort. A portable vape on my keys. I've also got a little microphone recorder for taking down ideas. I've got a flashlight. That's a great idea, actually. I've got a portable Wi-Fi hotspot. I have a USB stick. I have a USB killer that you can plug into any laptop and ruin it. I have a smartphone cable 
I have um, but do you a thousand dollars of gold with a hole drilled in it, just attached in case I ever need to make a quick trade. But but do you have any fairy tales on there? Yeah, I've got the entire manuscript to the Brothers Grimm movie. The movie, yeah, Brothers Grimm the movie. Yes, is that is that like an anthology thing? Like, imagine if okay, so here's a pitch. It's kind of like how you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They start doing all of these fairy tales again, these classic Brothers Grimm's fairy tales, but, like, they leave enough hooks at the end of it that the characters could kind of, like, then go on to do other things. And as they release more of them, they start to have after-credits trailers where it sort of links into, like, the other ones. Zab. And then they have an, an ensemble fairy tale. Zab. What? This exists. What's that? It's called Grimm. I'm pretty sure. But that's a TV series, isn't it? Yeah, TV series. Is it, is it yes. Grimm or is there a different one called, like, The Fairy Tales or something like that? I don't know, but that sounds awful. I want a movie's version of it. I want a cinematic universe, not a regular TV show. That's that's Everyone's already done that for everything. Oh, you want a horrible factory line that just generates all these other movies. Yeah, because it's perfect. It's the formula of the future. Marvel has invented the future of cinema and... They tried to do the dark. They actually have kind of tried to do this. They call it the dark universe, but the movies have all flopped, so they're not going. I don't think it's going to actually keep working. You know how they rebooted the Mummy? Yep. Yeah, that's a part of it. Okay, I don't like that. And they were going to do. It, and they were going to do it with Frankenstein. I, and I think the idea is they were going to bring together all the monsters from all these nope. horror worlds into nope. one thing. I hate it. Yeah, but it didn't do well. <laughs> No, I don't hate it. It's kind of... I don't want it. It's kind of, di- it's kind of funny because like, it doesn't really work because like, it means that all of these horror movies, you know how they end. Either the heroes win or the villains have to win. Yeah. So they can be in the ensemble dark universe movie that eventually happens. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not too interested in cinematic universes of things, but also I'm not that much of a movie watcher to begin with. I've got all these, like, hundred other things to do on my list of stuff that I want to do or listen to before I get to movies. You're so weird. Um, So I'll let you have your little movies that you like. So speaking of which, I watched Black Panther the other day. Speaking of the modern fairy tale, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Although, I guess, I don't know. I'll I'll do a spoiler-free take on it. It's definitely one of the better ones lately. And it stands alone and stands apart. Although it references other ones like Civil War. Because, I mean, at this point, they all have to reference each other a little bit. Hmm. It was just a really cool take on, like... Because it's set in Africa. It's like a... The concept is there's a city hidden from the world. But there's, like, a technological superpower in every other way. But they're just hidden. Oh, yeah, no. I know know everything that happens in the movie. I saw the trailer when I was at the movies. Yeah. Yeah, well, they choose not to interact with the world. But, like, it's the first time Marvel's actually done a good villain, I feel. (laughs) Apart from Thor, the first one. Hmm. Um, it's interesting. It's really good. And it's kind of like, it's funny how, uh, I don't want to go into spoiler territory. Okay. Spoiler alert. If you want to watch Black Panther, skip the next five minutes ahead. <laughs> so the cool thing about, one thing I really liked about Iron Man relative to other superhero movies that had come before it, there's this big genre thing that doesn't exist anymore. I think it's almost single-handedly because of Marvel and X-Men, I guess, is that where superheroes keep their identity hidden to protect their family and themselves. But then came Iron Man, and at the end of it, he just goes, nah, I'm Iron Man, I'm Iron Man. And then all of the Marvel cinematic things are like, yeah, no, everyone knows who we are, except for Spider-Man, because I guess that's too important. That's He's part of what set that up. But Wakanda, well, like in pa- Black Panther, the city, Wakanda is kind of like that exact thing, but it's a city where the city's like, no one knows about us, they can't know about us. But by the end of it, they're revealing who they are to the world. So it's 
that exact Iron Man thing, but just done with a whole city. Okay. A suit, but the city's a superhero because it's a super city. What? <laughs> like, like it's not like it's just the, their level of technology is so far beyond everyone else that among cities, it's a super city. Okay. It was good. I really, I really enjoyed it. That sounds like they did an all right job. Eamon's going to watch it, aren't you? Yeah. In, uh, you love movies. You just said, nah. I'll probably have to watch it in like 30 years when my kids drag me. <laughs> I've made you watch the two first two Iron Man movies. Next time I see you, I'm making you watch Avengers at the very least. In about 30 years, my seven very hungry boys are going to make me go watch it with them. Oh, but, but like... It's going to be like, you know how you recently, <laughs> Eamon, to watch the new Star Wars movie, rewatched all of the other Star Wars movies? Mm. Is that what you always do? Well, that's, yeah, that's what I did. I watched all of them. That'd make, no wonder you don't watch Marvel movies then. <laughs> Why? Because each time a Marvel movie comes out, you have to watch the other 20 Marvel movies. <laughs> and like, they all overlap and come at different times. There's no clear order to watch them in because they skip around the timeline Shit, there would actually be over 20 Marvel movies. Because, like, just the first five movies for each of the characters, then Avengers, and there was also Iron Man 2, so that's seven. And then there's one in between all of those, so another five, that's, like, 15. uh, They're up to... There's a lot of them. That's why I can't watch Neighbours. Yeah, because that's also... Because there's 800 of them. I'll I'll never catch up to what Tracy is up to in that street. How do people start watching Neighbours? Do you just sort of watch it and just gradually get hooked? Because no one, watch, no one's like time to go back to the start of Days of Our Lives or Neighbours or any of those sitcoms. Like, well, no. What happens is whenever a new season comes out, you have to watch all the previous ones to really know what was going on. That's terrifying. So each year you watch eight hundred Neighbours. Neighbours. Do, do Americans know what Neighbours is? Is that an international product? Uh, I bet they watch it as like a goof. Like, look at these. Weird. Well, like Britain loves it or something, I think. Britain really likes Neighbours or the other one that we have. What I want is a oh, shot-for-shot American remake of Neighbours with a lot more, oh, like, man. intense... With just, like, with Steve Carell or, like, a serious one? No, with, like, really intense dialogue, <laughs> like Breaking Bad. Fun side fact, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth the Thor guy from, from Marvel, started out on Neighbours or the other one that we have. Oh! Really? Yeah. It all comes back around. I, I think all of all of the Australian celebrities who make it have started on Neighbours, it seems. <laughs> like, well, there was another, I think Kate Blanchett. I don't know. Maybe not Kate Blanchett. I don't know. Yeah, every, all of them were on. Like, it's, Russell Crowe, he was on Neighbours. He was he was, was Angry he? Man 3. He was just going around beating <laughs> people up. It was great. Aren't you just thinking of Gladiator? Yeah, and he was in Neighbours. <laughs> Neighbours is just Gladiator. Have you seen Neighbours? Have you seen the early seasons? Do you remember when Russell Crowe was on it? Oh, right. Because Neighbours actually started back in ancient Rome. Yeah. <laughs> it's been going that long. <laughs> <laughs> kept going. It started off with regular Roman dramas, but they just very <laughs> gradually transitioned to Australia for some reason. Yes, Neighbours, the eternal show. Because, I mean, Australia is the natural heirs to the Roman Empire. Oh, yeah. Um, we're, we're known for that. We're a cultural, we're a cultural hub. Yeah, we're a, like an international space trading port, but on land. I mean, I mean, you're listening to us right now, listener. Yeah, yeah that's important. That's our culture beamed directly into your ears. And this is the real deal. This is genuine Australians. We're not just going to drop this accent at any moment and start talking like you. No, 
is 100% certified. Plot twist, we're not Australian at all. We're just putting this accent on. We're aliens from an alternate dimension. Yeah, we're just... Have you ever looked just, close at the word Australian? Yeah. It has... It actually says... Alien in it. Alien. We're actually aliens. Wait, you've watched all the you watched all the Lord of the Rings movies. I guess you were a kid when you watched those, though. That's why that's a movie series you've watched. Did you watch all the Hobbit movies? Oh yeah, yeah, I've watched all of them. What What did you think of them? The Hobbit movies were pretty good. They were very long. They were a lot longer than the original Hobbit cartoon that I grew up with. <laughs> Wait, there was a cartoon. Yeah. Is that like the awful cartoon Lord of the Rings where they were just like real slowly animated? Just yeah. Just with real big emphasis on every movement? Yeah, it was awesome. There was a horrible looking golem. I just wish they'd stuck closer to that 40 minute formula. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Someone, I didn't watch... I, didn't, I really want to see a recut of The Hobbit to match that cartoon that goes for like 40 minutes. I wonder if it would work better. I watched the first one and I went... I was expecting it to be one movie. And it got to the end, and it was a cliffhanger, and I was like, I was outraged. And I haven't watched the rest of them. Because I was just like, I protest to this tiny book being extended into a trilogy. And the reason, the like, reason the, of course, we can talk about this is because The Hobbit is a modern-day fairy tale. I mean, The Hobbit in particular, more so than Lord of the Rings, is like a fairy tale. Yeah, I mean... He just goes on a... It starts off with jinx. Once Upon a Time. Does it? Maybe? <laughs> Let me check. <laughs> it might. Or like once there was a hobbit in a hole and then he came out of the hole. You know, have you ever like, have you read the original Lord of the Rings? No, wait. Uh, now you know how the hobbit starts? I do know how the hobbit starts because it starts with... <laughs> so J.R.R. Tolkien, the writer, was an anthropologist. He was a linguist or an anthropologist or something. He was like a science guy. Mm-hmm. Like a social science guy. So the first chapter of The Hobbit is an anthropological deconstruction of what hobbits are as a species. Yeah. Yeah. And all the weed they smoke. And it's just talking about and like how they started out ancestrally and how like there are some hobbits which are slightly taller and maybe genetically related to dwarves. And then there's these hobbits who are a bit shorter and but they're more they're more pale and then maybe they're elven and then there's these dwarves which are like the most i mean there's these hobbits which are the most hobbity hobbits yeah and this is where bilbo hobbitson is from yes i i remember hearing the audiobook version of this or reading it i'm not sure it sort of blurs <laughs> you can read an audiobook anyway um but i was listening to an audiobook of jr token's work um i'm not sure if it was the hobbit or the lord of the rings but it started out with like the history of Hobbiton and stuff like that. And then like the next like five pages was just like, and then this is a species of the dank weed that they smoke, but they <laughs> like to smoke it with a pipe. Oh, I remember that. And if you travel, if you travel across to the other towns, you can get this other dank weed, which is a little spicier. <laughs> <laughs> Went on for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a good writer writes for themselves as much as for the audience. <laughs> he clearly clearly wrote what he found interesting and i mean it, so it resonated for some reason or another like it, it worked maybe oh maybe yeah not those bits i mean they're not the bits we talk about i guess i mean the 70s were um the hobbit didn't come out in the, the book, 70s but the book. that's what i always think of when it would have been like the 70s the 50s i don't know how old it's right no the uh original lord of the rings came out in the 40s shit um while he was like dealing with shit to do with yeah, the war wow. like, a, like an escape yeah, 40s to the 80s. Big years for that dank weed. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, guess, I mean, the weed or co- weed, everyone was on cocaine back then. 
Hmm. I mean, that was just in their water. Yeah. It was regular medicine. Like, it was medicine. I think it was at least heroin. I don't know. They were all, they were all medical drugs once. So much bad shit was medicine back then. I was looking at yeah. old newspapers and it's just awful. Like, Freud, Freud was, a co- was, a, was full of coke all the time, I think. That's why he was slipping all over the place. That's why he was such a prolific writer, I think. Anyway, I think it's time to... <laughs> end this recording one random little thought i just want to throw in there it's funny how like how fairy tales have sort of shifted over time where you have like the real old like the original intention of what a fairy tale is is like you know here's some goblin it's gonna eat some kids don't do the thing kids and like yeah even with like lord of the rings it's sort of like the middle stage after that like it's not old style but it's based off that more like disney sort of stuff where Mm. it's sort of the more modern take on them in a sense before like there's still a lesson but it's sort of longer winded and more indirect and a bit more sort of here's the heroes and act more like them but now we're at like another stage now where it's like let's make fun of and deconstruct all of this where it's kind of like taking that traditional story structure from Lord, like um lord of the rings or disney but then applying it to like horrible middle ages and actually making it real gritty and realistic yeah. Like Lord of the Rings is real idealistic for a medieval society. Like, no one's like shitting in buckets or anything like that, or spewing from gonorrhea. Um, but then you compare it to like Game of Thrones, which is the realistic, gritty take on Lord of the Rings, where everything's like, "Oh man, it sucks. Why would I want to be in the Middle Ages? <laughs> everyone's killing each other constantly." Like, that's a more realistic take on the Lord of the Rings. Well, although you know, high fantasy as opposed to. Sort of rego rego fantasy. Yeah, I don't know why I wanted to say that. It's, I just find that interesting. No, it's good. How, how they've changed over time. Where will they change next? They're going to be more postmodern. I love postmodernism. So thanks for listening to our show, the But Yeah Podcast. <laughs> you can find us online on Twitter at But Yeah Pod, or you can find us on Instagram as well. I think, which is what's that, Zeb? Yeah, it's same as But But Yeah Pod. But Yeah Pod on Instagram. We're going to post some video clips. I think just of the, our favorite parts from older episodes. Um, and mm. probably like some special, like exclusive stuff that we record over time. I think we'll put that on there as well. Put some of our audio bits. Other than that, bits on there. other than that, you can email us at, at buttyeahpod at gmail.com. And I think that's it. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Oh my god. That was longer than The Hobbit.